Well, we had a couple of verses from last week's lesson we didn't get done with, and so we'll just cover those real quickly. <clears throat> so we're going to start in Colossians, the third chapter, and we'll begin in the, uh, in the 15th verse. And it says, and let, us, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called uh, to one body, and be thankful. And so it, it says let. And so we're to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. In other words, really everything around us wants to, to steal that peace from us. And so we need to let or allow that peace to, to rule, um, to umpire, to govern our hearts. You know, uh, we want direction in our life. You know, one of the ways that I've always believed, and I believe that this confirms that, that one of the, the guides in our life as to whether we're operating in the will of God and so forth is, is to allow peace to govern us. Uh, because generally, if, if we're getting into an area that we ought not to be, um, we begin to lose our peace. You know, uh, I was sharing with a young woman the other day, and she was talking about this situation that she uh, had gotten into in the past, and she was on the verge of getting there again, and she says, I just couldn't do it because it just hurt my heart too much, or in other words, I, I didn't have any peace. And so when we follow peace, generally speaking, we're going to be following the leading and the will of God. And so that peace will not only guard our hearts, but it'll, it'll govern our hearts. It'll lead us in, in the direction that we need to be. And, and that peace is always gonna lead us into the direction of thankfulness. We're always gonna have a heart of thanksgiving when we've experienced that peace in our life. And then we go into the 16th verse and it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And so once again, there's that word let or to allow. Let the word of Christ dwell or inhabit your heart. Let the word of God inhabit um, in you richly uh, it, to the point of saturation. In other words, we're, we're, to be, we're to be saturated with the Word of God. You know, um, to be saturated with something means you have to abide in it. You have to continue in it for it to, to be able to saturate your being. And that's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. And then it says, in all wisdom, and so... We're to have the wisdom that comes from above, which comes through the Word of God. In all wisdom, teaching, uh, to teach or to be taught or to teach others, uh, to admonish, so we're to be able to exhort one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Um, psalms is Old Testament psalms. You know, we have the book of Psalms. And originally there was, there was music that was given to them. We've lost the music, but we haven't lost the, the importance and the significance of those psalms. Hymns, 
Hymns are song, sung, spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are songs that come from, from our own heart, from the Holy Spirit. You know, on, on a Sunday morning, uh, when we're worshiping, when there's some of those uh, quiet times when Miranda's just playing or whatever, you know, <clears throat> rather than just sit back and think nothing, what we ought to be doing is tuning into the Holy Spirit because what he'll do is he'll give us a song in our heart. And, and you know, that's why we, we play our music a little bit louder than maybe in some places so that um, you, can, you can sing out of your heart, not the song that's being played, but you can be singing out of your heart, out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And nobody around you um, knows what you're doing. They might just think you don't know the words to the song. You know, it's, it's probably a good thing that, you know, I sit up here in the front all by myself. You know, because uh, I, don't, I don't like looking at the screen. And so most of the time I just have my eyes closed. And, and as long as I know the songs, I'm okay. But I, I still don't like to open my eyes even if, the, you know, if I don't know the song. What I do is I just continue to, to sing. And, you know, I've, I've made up a lot of songs on a Sunday morning. You know, and so I, I would drive a lot of you crazy if you were sitting next to me on a Sunday morning. But, you know, I don't like to be distracted by the things around me. I want to be able to focus on Him. And if that means that the words that are going to come out of me are just simply going to be words that come out of my heart rather than in line with what Miranda, that's why they don't give me a mic on a Sunday morning when I'm we're singing. But, but just allow it to flow out of your heart. And so that's why, you know, and again, that's why I sit in the front row. You know, it isn't just because I'm the preacher. I don't like to see what's going on uh, because to me it's all, it, it's all distraction. And I want to be distracted by those things. I want to be able to focus on what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And so, <clears throat> and let it, the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And then the 17th verse. And whatever you do, and so whatever you do, it's talking about everything, whatever you do, in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so in whatever you do, you know, allow Him to lead you, allow Him uh, direct to direct you. Now, the interesting thing is, remember when we started this chapter, uh, we talked about how there's, there, there's three different sections to this. Um, there was the first section, verses 1 through 4, that was talking about the Christian life. Um, 5 through 17, which we just completed, is the objective of living the Christian life. Um, and then uh, where we pick up now in the 18th verse is talking about the establishment of the Christian life. You know what I, I think is so interesting is because you know now in this section he begins to talk about um, husbands, wives, children, um, servants, masters, and so on and so forth. And what, what I love about it, what I just think is so interesting is we we look at so many of these 
principles that we see, especially in the book of Colossians and so forth. And, and we, we look at it and we get way out there really spiritual. But what it really applies to is our everyday life. You know, it's like I said last week, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that if, if this scripture that we read, if it can't be applied to our everyday life, what benefit is it? If it's just simply history, what, what benefit is it? You know, when we celebrate Christmas, there's an element of, there, there's the historical element of it. But if that's all that there is, you know, I, I mean, I would just encourage you on Christmas morning to just sleep in. You know, uh, but we're having church, why? Because it isn't just historical. It's because of how it relates to our personal everyday life. And so that's what I love about Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians. Uh, it, 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 it's principles that apply to our everyday life. And when we take those principles and we apply them, we experience the abundant life uh, that's been made available to us. And so let's begin in, in Colossians 3.18. Uh, this is starting the last section here in, in chapter three of Colossians. And it says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You know, <clears throat> I believe that he intentionally put that word, your own husband, there. You know, when we uh, first got saved, there was a movement that was going around, it was, it was known as the shepherding movement. And in the midst of the shepherding movement, there was, a, there, there was part of their, their theology, you know, that uh, every woman was to be subjected to man. And, and so, you know, of, uh, and, but, but that's not what he says. Says the wife is to be submitted to her husband. And, and that's talking about, you know, within the family because, you know, I believe the family is the closest thing um, to what God's intended for the relationship between Jesus and the church here on earth. And, and so that's, you know, Jesus the head uh, we're the body. He loves us unconditionally. And so we see that in the relationship within the, within the family. And so uh, the wife is to submit to her own husband as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, and so wives submit, hupatas, uh, place yourself. In other words, <clears throat> the husband is not to rule over the wife. It's the wife that places herself in submission unto the husband. And the reason for that is, you know, anything with two heads is a freak. Amen. That's why there's only one Jesus. You know, because if the church had two heads, it would be freakish. You know, the household has one head, the husband. Why? Because if there were two heads, it would be, it would be freakish. And so... Uh, Wives, submit or place yourself under your own husbands as, as is fitting or it's proper. And that's why there, there's a proper order of things. Everything that God does, he does in order. There's a specific order 
with things within the body of Christ. You know, God is the head. Uh, he places within the church pastors, um, you know, and, and pastors are to be in that position of authority. That's where that authority line comes in. Well, in the household, it's the wife that is to submit to the husband. Why? Because it's fitting, it's proper. But in the Lord, and you're going to see this over and over again, that it, it says, in the Lord. And the reason for that is for anybody in authority, for them to ask you to do something that was not fitting or was not proper or was against the principles of God's word, it would be improper. You know, again, going back to that early teaching, there was a teaching that, you know, if the husband asked the, the wife to do something, even if it wasn't, uh, even if it was sin or whatever, she's to be willing to do it because he's her, her head. No, it's in the Lord. And so we who carry authority, because by the way, women gets to you too, you know, because we all have authority. Well, that's why we must have the word of God on the inside of us so that we never ask somebody to do something that would be improper or that would not be in the Lord. And so everything that we ask of somebody is to be proper, it's to be in the Lord. So it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Then it goes on into the 19th verse and it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. Husbands love, and it's the Greek word agape. You know, as we've talked about many times, if you, uh, if you, if you study the Greek, within the Greek, there's five different or four different Greek words. And, uh, you know, there's phileo, which is uh, friendship. There's strogos, which is family. Um, there's eros, which is, we get the word erotic from it. It would be talking about sexual love or whatever, um, uh, and, but then agape. And agape is the God kind of love, it's, it's divine love. And so it says that the husband is to agape his wife, divine life, love, um, <clears throat> love his wife, and do not be bittered against him. In other words, don't cause her or don't do it out of anger. Don't, uh, don't lead your household out of anger. God loves us and he's not angry with us. In spite of so much of the teaching that you hear out there, I want you to be confident of something. I want you to be assured of something. God isn't mad at you and he's not mad at humanity. He so loved agape, divine love, sacrificial love, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son while we were yet sinners. In other words, he didn't wait till we got cleaned up to, to send Jesus for us. He sent Jesus so that he might love us, that we might be redeemed, that we might experience healing, whatever it is, that we might need in our life. And so we're not to be embittered. Husbands are not to be embittered towards their wives. In other words, 
they're to approach those that they love because this is how God approaches us with patience and kindness. We're always to be kind towards our wives, towards those whom we love. Uh, and the husband, we see this out of Ephesians, the fifth chapter. It says the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And so what that means is he's to love her sacrificially. You know, uh, <clears throat> you've all heard my little story about Ephesians 5th chapter, how I was reading through it, and, and you know, when we were first saved, we had some marital issues amongst other things, and I'm reading through Ephesians 5th chapter, and I come upon that passage that says, wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I'm not even sure I was Pentecostal yet at that time, but I felt a little bit of a glory hit me. And I thought, there, there, there's the issue. This, this, this woman submit to me like she was supposed to. We wouldn't have any problems in our marriage. Of course, then I made the mistake and I read on. And it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. And of course, he loved his wife, the church, so much he died for the church. You know, and so Mike and I were talking a little bit about shopping before the service. And, you know, sometimes I think maybe physical death would be easier than, you know, just dying to yourself, you know. To, so I've had to learn how to, to shop. I had to die to myself because my wife likes to shop. You know, I, I mean, if you look up in the dictionary when you go home and you look up the words chopper, Pastor Becky's picture is going to be right there to show you what a shopper is. You know, but, but it's interesting. It says that the husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. But what's interesting, you don't ever find Scripture saying that the wife is to love the husband. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Says that she's to submit. You know, and there, there's an element, it's, it's a whole lot easier to submit to somebody when you love them. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, it's like Becky told me one time, she said, you know, if I had the confidence that if you loved me as Jesus loved me, it wouldn't be tough to submit to you at all. And I thought, ooh, stick it in and twist it. You know, but it's the truth. You know, and that's why it begins with husbands loving their wives as Christ loves the church. And so it's a, it's a sacrificial love. It's uh, like I already said, it's, it's a type of love and uh, patience and kindness that, that Jesus has demonstrated towards us. You know, and, and really, when we look at a, I usually teach on marriage, I, I spend more time in uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, than here. But it's, it's interesting, in, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where it begins talking about uh, marriage, you know, it, it generally starts in about the 23rd verse. But I always like to start in the 22nd verse, because in the 22nd verse, it says to be submitted one unto the other. And so what I like that about that is that as a husband and wife, uh, we're, we're to be a team and we're to be submitted to one another, 
but yet at the same time, there has to be a head. Otherwise, there's no, there's no direction, there's no leadership. And so we're to be submitted to one another, loving one another. And it, really, I believe it's saying almost the same thing. But then we go on into the 20th verse, and it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children, obey. Upaketio, uh, it means to hear, place yourself under the sound of. Isn't that, isn't that an interesting way of putting it? Children, place yourselves in a position to hear what your parents have to say. That's Schroeder's interpretation. You know, but that's really what it's talking about. And, and so it's saying that, again, place yourself. Do you ever, the majority of us in this room are parents, have you ever tried to impose your will <laughs> on your children? Yeah, you have. Don't, don't lie to me. I know that you have. Every one of us have. How'd that work out for you? You know, but, it, but when they choose or place themselves in a position to hear what we have to say, what happens? It's totally different. It's totally different when they choose to hear what we have to say. Why do, why do children not hear what we have to say? Well, a lot of times, because there's a discrepancy between what we say to them and what we actually do. It's the old theory to do what I say, don't do what I do. And, and I've always said this, you know, I believe that um, discipline, you know, one of the roots in the word discipline is discipleship. And I personally believe that we haven't earned the right to, to, to discipline until we've discipled our children. And discipleship isn't telling our children what to do. Discipleship is showing our children what to do. That's why within the church, really, there's, <clears throat> uh, in a lot of settings, discipleship hasn't been very effective. And the reason that it hasn't been effective is that, you know, what we want to do is we want to sit down in an environment like this, and we want to, we want to talk about it, we want to be, we want to be taught, but we, we don't want to really live it. And when we live it, what we do is we, we do more teaching. Dr. Cole always said it this way. You say more with your actions than you ever will with your voice. Well, it's like Pastor Jeff said one time as we were, uh, when he was preaching here. He, he said, witness everywhere you go and use words only if you have to. Because our life is to be a living testimony to the Lordship of Jesus in our life. There's a lot of people, that are open, they open their mouth and uh, they immediately lose their credibility because their actions don't line up with the words that they're speaking out of their mouths. They, they, they lose credibility. And so here where he's talking to children, talking about the children, he's saying that they're to submit or they're to place themselves in a position to hear, to obey.
And uh, the husband and wife are to be in the position where they're able to lead and uh, direct. And then it goes on and it says, and when they, when they choose to hear, it's well-pleasing. Think about it. It says it's well-pleasing. In fact, you know, the Bible says, you know, and it's in your notes that in Exodus 20, and it also talks about in, in Ephesians, um, the sixth chapter, that when, when children obey their parents, there's a blessing that goes along with it. It's known as long life. You know, and so uh, when, we, when we honor our parents, when we respect our parents, there's a long life that goes along with that. There's rewards uh, to, to honoring. And so backing up again, let's, let's read through this. Starting in verse 18, wives, you know, because I just like to hear this part of it so much, that's why I keep going back there. <clears throat> Was, wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting. You know what? It's fitting in the Lord. Once again, with the children, it's in the Lord. And so once again, as a parent, I don't ever have a right to ask my children to do something that isn't in the Lord, or something that doesn't line up with the Word of God, which is God's will. And so for me to be able to do that, though, I have to have an understanding of what the will of God is. I have to have an understanding of what His Word says. And what happens, what I believe, the way all of this is supposed to happen, is that when we're, when we're functioning this way, when the husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, she knows that in every circumstance, in every situation, she can trust him, she can have confidence in him. And so she's able to submit or place herself in that position of, of submission. And then when the children see this, and they see the way mom and dad live out their lives, they're able to hear what they have to say because there's no discrepancy between what they're saying and what they're living. You see, our lives are so important, what we live out. And so wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. Or a husband is to have the right attitude about it. You know, I believe that any leader that has the attitude, I'm the boss and you're gonna do what I tell you to do no matter what, he, he, he's lost everybody that's under him that quick. Because nobody's gonna respect him, nobody's gonna follow after. You know, and, and, and I think oftentimes, that's why we've, uh, we, we've seen so many young people rebel, uh, because uh, they haven't had the example set before them, they've basically uh, been lectured at. And in my experiences, lectures don't work too well. You know, you get this uh, glazed look at you. You look at me. <laughs> and everything's going boop, right past them. You've seen that glazed look, haven't you? I can tell by the expression. In fact, some of you are glazing over right now. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, children, 
Well, let's, let's start over again. Wives submit to you because I like it so well. Wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is, is well pleasing to the Lord. And ultimately, isn't that what we all want? We all want to be well pleasing to the Lord. And then, of course, it gets down into the into the 22nd verse, and this gets a little, little different because, you know, you, you also have to understand the times that we're in when, when this was written because um, there was still individuals that were slaves and so forth, and so it's talking about being a master and, a, uh, and being a servant and so forth. But it also carries over into the area of of employment that we can look at it um, from that standpoint as well. And so then in the 22nd verse it says, bond servants, you know, and uh, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul referred to himself as a bond servant of the Lord. And what he's, what he's talking about when he's saying that, and I think we, we talked about that earlier on in Colossians, I know we talk about it when we go through the book of Galatians and so forth. But Paul's talking about the fact that he, he took the position of a servant. Remember what we said? You know, wives, they, they take that position. You, nobody can force you to, they, they take that position. Paul, who is a, a son of God, who is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the apostle to many of these cities of the books that we're, we're studying. So he is a man of, a pos, of position. But he, it says that he took the position of a bondservant. And, and why bondservant is so important, if you, if you study that out, you find that it's the, it's the lowest of the slaves. You know, if you would go to somebody's house, remember when Jesus, uh, with his mother, uh, his first miracle when he turned the water and the wine at, at the wedding feast. And they, they talked about how um, these, these containers, Jesus told them to fill them up with, with water. <clears throat> well, what those containers typically were for was to hold the water that the bond servant, the lowest slurve, slave that would be at the, at the function, his responsibility would be to go around and wash everybody's feet. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, you know, after he served communion, he, what did he do? He, he wrapped a towel around himself and he went around and he washed everybody's feet. And, and this, it says that the reason that he did that was as an example for them to follow. And so Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what he did on that night was he got down in front of his disciples, those who were called to serve him. And he got down in front of them and he washed their feet. In other words, he took the position of a bondservant, of a slave. You know, in uh, oftentimes what we see happening in, in the church is that we have this... Uh, um, 
we have this line of authority that we show. And, you know, of course, God is the head overall. Of course, he took the place of a bondservant, but then there's the pastor, and then there's, you know, for us, there's the elders, and then the congregation and other positions and so forth. And in a lot of churches, you know, friends of mine that I know, the, the church has the idea that they're there to serve the pastor. But you see, that's, that's upside down. Because in Ephesians 4, when, when it talks about the fivefold ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, who are there for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, do we all come to a mature man? Prior to that, it says that the, the pastor or these ministries are given as gifts to the body. Or in other words, they're there to serve the body. And so I'm here not to be served, but to serve. And so whatever your position is, you know, tonight we have Cindy and, and Shelly here who generally are downstairs leading our, our uh, Wednesday evening children's ministry and Sunday mornings they share out back leading the, the children's ministry. And even though they're in position of authority, they're there to serve. They're there to serve our children who go in and, and sit in those, in those services. And so whatever it is, you know, whatever position an individual is in, our ushers, it's not a position of authority, it's a position of service. Our worship team, it's not a position of authority, even though they get to be up in front and everybody gets to look upon them every, every Sunday. It's a position of service. And so their heart attitude is never supposed to be, look to me, see how wonderful I am. It's always supposed to be an attitude of how can we serve you? How can we lead you into worship? How can we lead you into the word? How can we lead you into the victorious life that is available to you through Christ Jesus? And that comes not by orders, but by service. Well, taking that back to the family. That's how it's to work in the family. The, the, the father, the mother. Don't throw anything at me. But we're there to serve our children. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Within that service, we teach them how to be responsible. And that may mean jobs and so forth, but ultimately we're there to serve them so that they lead a victorious Christian life. And so we do that by example. And as a husband and wife, one of the primary ways that we do that is by serving one another. Well, that went over like a lead balloon, so why don't we just move on? But, it's, but that's, that's how it is. It's, it's all about service. It's the, the Christian life is not about being served. It's all about serving one another and serving others. And so the, the, the family, the Christian family, is to function and is to operate in the same way that we're here to serve one another. 
Well, we're looking at, we, we got talking about bondservants, and it came from that Paul placed himself, even though he is a man of authority, he placed himself as a bondservant. So did Jesus. And so here he's talking to slaves and servants, and he says, um, bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, those who are over you according to the flesh. So don't expect them to be your spiritual leader. Now, if you've got a Christian boss, there can be an element of, Christ, uh, 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 of spiritual leadership there. But, you know, here he's saying, in the flesh, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. In other words, we're not supposed to just work hard when the boss is looking. I remember when I was, I was plumbing in Missouri. Well, actually, I wasn't plumbing. I would, uh, <clears throat> um, as a hod carrier, working you know, for uh, this uh, bricklayer company out of, uh, uh, out of St. Louis. And, and Dan Dennison from St. Paul, Minnesota, he had been a bricklayer for 25 years. And so he, well, I'd just come back uh, after living up in Northwest Isle for the summer between my first and second year of school. And, and so on the way home, I'm driving by uh, Dennison's and they're there. So we stop in and we're talking. He says, have you got a job yet? And I said, no. And he says, well, you wanna, want a job as a hod carrier? And I says, sure. And so I, I took this to this, to this job. <clears throat> I have so much respect for hod carriers. It'll kill you. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's some of the hardest work I ever did in my entire life. You know, but anyway, th that's beside the point. This is what I wanted to get to. So it was, it was a union shop. And so they, the, the workers taught me how to walk when you're going to the bathroom. And, and what you do is you don't take big steps. You take little steps. And it makes it look like you're really hurrying to get there, but it takes longer to get there, and then it takes longer to get back. And so, the, you know, so what that is, is trying to put out an impression that you're doing something that you're really not doing. You guys don't think that's very humorous. I thought it was really funny at the time, you know. And, but but, but that, that's, that's just how, but you know, some of us, we do that, you know. We're, we're kind of lazy when the boss is, or, is around, but as soon as he starts showing up, all of a sudden we become very productive. What he's saying here is we're to be productive at all times, not just when the boss is looking, not just to be a man pleaser. We're to do our job at the best of our ability because we're going to see here, ultimately, we're not serving man, we're to be serving God. Now here, we're serving somebody of the flesh. Um, it's talking about our natural boss, our earthly boss. And he says we're supposed to serve him, really as if we're serving the Lord. Now, your job may be where you get your paycheck. But your call is to serve God, no matter how 
uh, the paycheck is coming your way. Let's, let's look at it in the literal. Um, verse 22. It's in your notes. Servants, doulos, a slave, a servant, obey. Listen to, to obey a command. In other words, if they tell us to do something, we're to do it if at all possible. In all things, your master, or the one that's over you, the master, your Lord, according to the flesh. And so he's talking about uh, the one that rules over you in the flesh or your boss in the flesh. Not with our service, our slaves, working only when the boss is looking as a man pleaser, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, your master, the Lord. Now, the thing about this is when what we're going to see in the next verse is we're to do it, we're to obey him, we're to follow his directions, but we're not supposed to, he doesn't have any authority to tell us to sin, to do, to cheat, to do something that would be illegal. Well, pastor, if I don't do it, I'll lose my job. Well, then God will have a better one for you if you'll uh, be a man or woman of integrity. But it says that we're to have singleness of heart. In other words, even though we're following his guidance and direction in the flesh, our heart is to stay on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the signal, singleness of heart that he's talking about here. And then let's go on into verse 23 because it goes right along with this. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. In other words, even though you're working for a man, do it as unto the Lord. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do it knowing that what you're doing is, is pleasing to him. You know, <clears throat> our vocation, our vo the vocation is important from the standpoint that we do what God's called us to do. You know, whether that be a preacher, whether that be a nurse, whether that be a farmer, Whatever we do, we're to do it heartily as unto the Lord, serving Him. Because if, if that's what He's called us to do, we're to do it with, with all of our, our might, with all of our strength. And so He says, do it heartily unto the Lord. But the other part of it is, is somebody's asking us to do something that is illegal, something that would go against our conviction, our conscience, then we've got to look at it and say, well, I really, I really can't do that. And, 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 and to me, that is the only legitimate reason for us to not listen to those that are over us. Now, that, that, that goes in all areas. You know, as a pastor, if I stood up in front of you on a Sunday morning and told you ought to go out and do something um, that is illegal, or that would be contrary to scripture, um, y'all need to go out, but just don't come back in again. You know, because I don't have uh, any right to do that. In fact, I ought to be instructing you and directing you and showing you in, in the ways that are proper and right according to scripture and according um, to the laws of the land and so forth. And so he says, 
And whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it from your soul as to the Lord and not unto man. Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. See, no matter what we do, we ultimately serve the Lord Jesus. The literal again, knowing that of from the Lord you shall receive receive back the reward of the inheritance for you are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what we do, we need to see ourselves first and above any, everything else, we need to see ourselves as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. To see ourselves that we serve Him before anything else. But we do, but He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. And so, here what he's talking about is, at this point, as an employee or as a servant, there's no distinction between the lost and the saved. In other words, I believe as a born-again believer, we're the ones that ought to receive the promotions. Because we ought to be the hardest workers, the most faithful, the most dependable. So if we're working for somebody and we don't get the promotion in some he an unbeliever does. If it's because he's working harder and doing his position, he's the one that's going to be rewarded. We're not going to be rewarded just because I go by the title of Christian. We're going to be rewarded because we live out what we claim to be true in each of our lives. Um, in your notes it says, the believer who does not do his job as unto the Lord and is lazy and irresponsible will receive discipline from the Lord. And what's that discipline going to be? Well, we're, we're not cursed, but we're not going to receive the blessing. We're not going to receive the promotion. We're not going to receive what's ours. What, what does the scripture say? It says, we used it on Sunday, out of Hebrews 11.6, that we're to believe that God is and that he's the rewarder of whom? Those who diligently seek him. And if we diligently seek him, I believe we're going to be those that diligently follow after what he's instructed us and what he's spoken to us that we ought to do. And so we're, we're, he will reward us. Now, the thing that I love about it is that when you're blessed, when I'm blessed, everybody around us gets blessed in a greater measure. They may not recognize it, they may not see it, but they get blessed as well. You know, you, you've all heard me share this little story about when I was, you know, it was this time of year, we we're down in, living down in Missouri, I was working for this plumber out of, out of uh, Johnston, Missouri. 
and, uh, and showed up there, you know, um, the whatever day before Christmas. And uh, we, we get there and he tells his wife, um, go down and give the guys their checks. And I want, them to, I want each of the guys to have this much money as a bonus. And so whatever you have to do to increase that uh, so that after taxes are taken out that they get this much money, that's what I want you to do. And so we got our checks and then he gave us a bunch of cookies and a bunch of other stuff. And so we get on the, in the truck and we're on our way to, uh, uh, to the job and the guy I'm riding with, I'm working with, I'm driving actually, and uh, he's, he says, I don't understand this. This is the first year that I've worked for John and he says, I don't understand this. He, he's never done this before. He's never given us a bonus before. He's given us cookies, but he's never given us a, a bonus before. I don't, I don't understand that, you know. And before we left, you know, we said, well, well we really appreciate it, John. And he says, well, you help make it, you might as well help spend it. And I thought that was a good theory. I like that theory. You know, but anyway, we're in the truck and we're driving away and the guy says, I don't understand this. This, this has never happened before. You know, and so I'm going to get really spiritual, and I says, well, you know, because I am in seminary. You know, I, I said, well, haven't you ever heard of the blessings of Abraham? And he says, well, I don't know about that. He says, I think maybe it's the blessings of Schroeder. <laughs> and at first I kind of wanted to correct him, but then I thought, I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like the blessings of Schroeder. But you know, the thing about it is, every one of the other employees... And if it was the blessing of Schroeder, every one of the other employees got a blessing as well. Right. See, when you work hard and you receive reward, what that means is everybody along with you is going to receive rewards along with you. If your company prospers because you work hard, guess what happens? Everybody else prospers and is rewarded as well. And it's because of the Lordship of Jesus. So if we're diligent, if we're diligent, we shall receive the reward. And so <clears throat> let me just read those last verses again because this is the close of, uh, of chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke. Actually, that word fathers there is the word, uh, it's in your notes, what is it? Painite or something like that. It, it, anyway, it's talking about parents. And so it's talking not just about the fathers, but it's talking about us as parents. Um, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I guess I didn't talk about that very much. But you know what? We ought to encourage our children. We ought not to discourage them. And I think sometimes when we don't set the example, they don't see how it can possibly be done. And so it's discouragement that rises up in their life. Or if we, if we come down hard on them without really discipling them, they become discouraged and they quit trying. Um, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. 
And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. Do it heartily, do it diligently. Serve God with all your heart in, in every circumstance, in every situation. I'll tell you something, you get looking at the flesh and you get discouraged. Especially if you got a boss that's a jerk. You, you start, start focusing on him and it'll, it'll discourage you, it'll get your, your focus off of who you're really there to serve. Because ultimately, you're there to serve the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, John, the one who blessed us with the uh, reward, he is a practicing heathen. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. He was a heathen and he practiced it. I mean, <clears throat> he had one of the foulest mouths. And he knew that I was in, in Bible school and in seminary and I think he I think he cursed for my benefit to see how I would react to it. And uh, I, just, I just served him. You know, one day he, he took me aside and he said, Dave, he said, I want you to know something. I won't use the terminology that he used. <clears throat> he said, I don't send you to the crappy jobs uh, because I don't like you. I send you there because I know you'll get the job done. And so he respected me. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember the second year that I worked for him, we had, a, we had an ice storm. And so I got in my 1963 Corvair and headed out the 20 miles to work and pulled up in front of the house and banged on the door and nobody was answering the door. And finally his wife comes to the door and. Uh, her bathrobe and she says, what are you doing? I said, coming to work? She says, it's a snowstorm. I said, no, it's not, it's just ice. <laughs> you know, of course, in Missouri, when you get ice, it's kind of interesting, but I mean, if when I lived in Minnesota, if we didn't go to work and this kind of stuff, we'd have to, we'd be laid off all winter long. And so and she says, come in and have a cup of coffee before we send you home. We're not taking the trucks out today. And so she and John came up and we sat there and had a cup of coffee, and, and I felt guilty because here I am, I'm in Bible school, I'm, I'm in seminary, studying to be a preacher, and, and John, I'm fairly confident that this man is going to hell, you know, because he's a, he's a practicing sinner, and he's really good at it. And, uh, and I've, not, I've never witnessed to him. And so we sat down at the table and they started asking me questions. I believe that for the, the year and some months that I worked for them, I earned the respect of them that they wanted to know what was going on in my life. And so I, I sat down and I began to, to witness to him or just share what had happened in my life and share the scriptures. And in this discussion, I found out that one of the reasons that John was so anti-Christian, or appeared to be so, was that when he worked in the Union in St. Louis, in the Union shop, the, one of the guys that worked with him 
was this born-again Christian who was lazy, who never did his part. They had to cover for him all the time. And, uh, but he was always spewing off at his mouth, but his life didn't demonstrate anything that was spewing out of his mouth and it just gave him a nasty taste in his mouth and he wanted nothing to do with Christianity. But I had the opportunity to share with him and tell him what Jesus had done in my life. And, and we didn't pray together that morning, but I believe that there were seeds that were sown. Let me tell you, this is why this is so important. <clears throat> there was a contractor that we worked for, a, a building contract. We did, we did all of his plumbing for him. And this contractor, Christian contractor, had connections with the Bible school that I went with, with, that I w went to. And they had hired a lot of the guys to work for him. And one day I was talking with one of the foremans and he says, we've determined we will never hire another Christian because we can't get them to do anything. They all think they're entitled to have a job. Let me tell you as a Christian what we're entitled to do. We're entitled to work our little fannies off so that we demonstrate to a world the goodness of God, that they see something in, their in our lives that they want and they need in their lives. And as a result of that, we earn the right to speak into their lives. A lot of people just want to spew out of their mouth. But you know what? There comes a point we have to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. And the way that we do that is by demonstrating Christ before them. We earn the husbands, we earn the right to speak into the lives of our wives because we live it in front of them. Wives and husbands, we earn the right. Parents, we earn the right to speak into the lives of our children because we live it in front of them. And as a result of that life, we, we earn the right. I know that I've gone over. Praise the Lord, we're done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, go home and be blessed and live the life. Amen. Everybody say, I'm going to live the life. I don't know about you. I want to live till I die. There's a lot of people, they're living, but they're dead. I want to live till I die. And the way that I do that is through Christ Jesus. Be blessed. See you Sunday.